So technology, um, if you guys haven't noticed, we have had some issues with our technology today, but um, we're going to make it through. So one thing I need you to know about me is I don't like doing laundry. Um, for me, I know some people who enjoy doing it, and I'm on the end of where it's the last thing that I will do in our house. Um, I may be telling on myself when I say this, but there are days where I just let the laundry pile and pile and pile, and my wife is back there, and she's nodding her head. Yes, he does. And then it gets to the point where, you know, I have to do it. Um, but thankfully, I've never gone too long where I didn't have clean clothes to wear to school, work, or church. And I'm sure if you look around you today, I'm pretty sure you're thankful that people who you are sitting beside wore clean clothes today. Now, while we may put on clean clothes on the outside, a lot of us still carry our dirty clothes with us wherever we go, whether it be work, school, church. See, these are the things in our lives where we don't want people to know about because they will treat us differently or they'll look down upon us or they'll say, well, at least I don't do what so-and-so does. And we put ourselves on this pedestal of where we feel like we're better than other people because the sins in our lives may not be as great as those other individuals we may know. But if you call yourself a Christ follower, that's not what our mindsets are supposed to be. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, it's not until we start renewing our minds and focusing on the things that God wants us to focus on will we ever be able to really understand how we are to live our lives here on this earth. Now, there's a man in the Bible. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name's Paul. Um, if you flip to anywhere in the New Testament, you are probably going to find one of the letters that Paul wrote. And today, we are going to be looking at one of those letters during our time here. Today, we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians, chapter 3. Now, Colossians is a rather short book. It's four chapters, but it's filled with many different theological issues that Paul was addressing to this church. See, this was a Gentile church that had heard the gospel and that they wanted to make their own church. Now, you would think that people who had never heard the gospel before had their lives changed and transformed by the gospel, built a building, 
people would be celebrating all over. Unfortunately for this church, that wasn't the case. Now, different theologians have often questioned what theological issues that Paul is addressing in the first two chapters in this book. Some people believe that the false teachers that Paul is addressing are within the church. Other people have said that the false teachers that he is arguing against are from outside of the church. Now, whatever the case may be, whether it's inside or outside of the church, what these false teachers were doing was they were removing the emphasis of Christ, his work on the cross, and his resurrection from the tomb. They were making people focus so much on the earthly things that they needed to do as it says in chapter 2, verse 21, it says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These leaders were putting these different do's and don'ts that the believer should be following and removing the work of Christ out of the church. And they also even went as far to say that if you are sick or if you're in trouble, don't, don't turn to God. Look at the angels. The angels can save you. Now, in the Bible, it says that the angels are beneath God, that God created the angels when he created the heavens and the earth. So if the creator of the universe should be the one that they were running to. And this is what Paul is addressing in the first two chapters of this book of Colossians. And in chapter 3, he switches his direction of the letter. Now he's no longer focusing on what the religious leaders of the time are saying that they should or should not do, because he's already addressed that. But now he's saying, because you understand that you are to look at Christ for your help and the redemption that you have through Christ. Now this is how you are to act as believers. Starting in verse 1 in chapter 3. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When Paul mentions set your mind on things that are above, he doesn't mean to have your head in the clouds. He doesn't mean to walk around with your nose up in the sky, looking down on people. No, Paul is saying you and I need to be so in tune with the things that God desires for our lives that it can't help but impact how we live our lives here on this earth. A few weeks ago, we were at the Lake Sumter Baptist Association where all of the churches within Lake Sumter County gathered and a special uh, speaker there gave a great analogy. 
he often said that a lot of times on this earth, you and I, we try to focus on our relationships horizontally and expect our relationship with God then to work out vertically. Where in reality, we need to work on our relationship with God vertically and then our relationships horizontally will be better impacted because of that. And Paul also continues his defense here for Christ by mentioning where he's seated, at the right hand of God. The individual who sits at the right hand usually has all of the power that if they say go, they go. If they say come, the person comes. So with Paul recognizing where Christ is, he's reestablishing Christ's authority of all things that are above in heaven and on this earth. And he closes this section of verses saying that when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. That because of those of us who have put our hope and faith in Jesus, that when he returns to bring his church home, we will then appear with him in that glory. But he just doesn't end it there. He could have. And that would have answered all of the theological questions that he was addressing in the previous verses. But he takes it a step further. Continuing on in chapter 5, or sorry, chapter 3, verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Before you started a relationship with God, before you made that decision to put your hope and faith in Jesus, you were an enemy of God. And if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. The sins that Paul is addressing here are impacting the individual. See, Paul here is getting down to the root of each and every one of the lives that he was writing to in this letter to the church. And he says that you once walked into in those, which means that Paul is writing to a believing congregational church. And it might sound strange or strong-worded when Paul says, put to death. But that's the severity of how we should live or look at our old lives. That there should be nothing in our lives that would relate to how we were before Christ. But unfortunately, when tough times come, when 
school doesn't go the way that we would like it to, when work doesn't go the way that we would like it to, if we have a dispute with somebody in the church, we often run back to what's comfortable. We often run back to those situations where we had a immediate satisfaction but with long-term consequences. But see, after Paul is focusing on the individual and how these type of sins not only impact our lives, but made us enemies of God, he then takes it a step further, picking up in verse 8. Sorry. It says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. See, a lot of times that when we focus on the sin nature, we focus on what the other individual is doing. And Jesus even addressed that back in Matthew where he says, before you focus on the speck that is in your brother's eye, make sure to take care of the plank that is in your own eye. See, before we even begin to reveal sin in other individuals, or before we even get the right as pastors to speak into the lives of other people, we have to make sure that we have our own sin nature in check. That we don't have these qualifications of a non-believer or that we don't put on those dirty clothes that we so times go back to when it just is convenient or when it's easy. But what Paul keeps going back to is the Creator. God, that you and I, we're really good at messing up and we're really good at those bad things. But when it comes to removing those things out of our lives, we need God's help. I have a short video to watch that kind of illustrates the work that needs to be done in our lives, the type of work that God wants to do in our lives, if we are willing to allow him to do that work. And the skit is going to show how difficult it is and how oftentimes it hurts when God removes those areas in our lives that he so desperately wants to remove. What areas in your life do you need to allow God to chisel 
what areas are you so desperately holding on to that you wouldn't know who you were if those areas in your life were removed? And aren't you thankful that we do serve a God who wants to remove those areas in our lives and fill them with his presence? And that's exactly what the next part of this chapter talks about. Starting again in verse 12, it says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called, in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, <clears throat> singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, if you still hold on to those dirty clothes, to that old sin nature, and you aren't willing or ready to allow God to chisel those parts out of your life, you will never be fully filled with the things that God desires for your life. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience are all attributes that Christ followers should exemplify in our daily lives. Those are the clean clothes that after you ran them through the washing machine, you ran them through the dryer, and they're nice and warm and fuzzy, you put them on and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, man, I feel pretty good about myself. And then you put on the belt of love, which Paul says binds everything together. That without the love of God in our lives, nothing that we can put on would ever be complete. Without the love that we have for each other in this room, for our community, we won't be able to reach this amazing community of Oxford, Florida for the gospel. And once you have the love holding everything together, it's my favorite part. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I don't know about you, um, but there have been times in my life where 
I needed that peace. And if we are all honest with ourselves today, some of you may be looking for that peace that only God can offer. That you keep going back to those things that were easy because you thought they would satisfy you. But when you fully tap into the peace of God, it surpasses anything and everything that you would ever come to know and understand. And then lastly, once we have our relationship with God under control and where it needs to be, it then tells us how we should act as a church of believers. That we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with one another with thankfulness in our hearts. But ultimately, at the end of the day, before you lay your head at, on your bed, before you go to sleep, we need to make sure that everything we say and do is for God's glory and God's honor. That if Jesus was physically sitting beside you when you went to bed and he had his book out, could he check off November 14th? Brandon lived for me. Could he do that for each and every one of you in this room? The old flesh and the new flesh cannot coexist. Each day, you and I need to make the choice of which clothing we are going to put on that day. And if we do say that we are Christ followers, that we are living our lives in a worthy manner of Jesus' name. Now for some of you today, you may have made that decision years ago to follow Jesus. And I pray that you live a life that would exemplify these qualifications that Paul wrote about in Colossians. Some of you today may have not made that decision yet. And you may still be living in that life where you put on old, dirty clothes every day. Even though you may look clean on the outside, you're dirty on the inside. And if that's you today, we're going to give you an opportunity to change your whole projection for your future. That these sins that so bind you, that keep you as an enemy of God, as we sang about earlier, the amazing grace of God and that He is a chain breaker. That no matter what you came to this church with today, whether it was your first time or your 142nd time, God is there and He is ready to break those chains and offer you the freedom 
that only he can offer. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you that you don't tell us to come with our lives together, that you don't tell us that we have to have a certain amount of money in the bank or that we have to dress a certain way in order for us to be accepted by you. But God, that you accept us and you meet us where we are in our old, dirty, raggedy clothes, Lord. And that you love us enough that you want to give us a new life. God, for those who have not made that relationship with you yet, Lord, whether they be here today, listening on the radio or watching online, Lord, I just ask that you would begin to work in their hearts that today they would make that decision to follow you. God, as we go into our time of invitation, I just ask that you would work in a mighty way that if decisions need to be made, that they would be made today, Lord. If people need to come back to you, that they would come back running, Lord, knowing that you will meet them right where they are, Lord. Be honored during this time. Amen.